Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Negotiation. This is part one of our conversation with Arnaud Castel. Arnaud is the founder of Kapok, a retail experience that focuses on designers and brands whose work provides quality craftsmanship and creativity in design. Arnaud has developed an extensive knowledge and understanding of the Asian consumer goods and retail environment since 1996 when he moved to Hong Kong from France. In 2001, he joined the team in charge of the development of the Lemography brand in Asia as the head of Southeast Asia operations. Arnaud was also the co-owner and director of Working Unit Limited, founded in 2005, the exclusive distributor for the Moleskin brand in Southeast Asia. In today's episode, Arnaud tells us what brought him to Hong Kong, what made him start Kapok, his curated ecosystem, and why customers keep coming back. We also talk about price positioning in the market, how distribution and merchandising happen, and the importance of having an entertaining shopping experience for customers. Enjoy. For Moleskin, I think it was a very, very interesting product because they take on the category that was there was no brand in stationery there were no brand and they they bring on a brand with a strong identity a strong brand pillar and create a really interesting product before you know when like when you work in a big company and you don't think of what notebook you use you know they have a room full of stationery and you grab something and you use it i think it's very smart to bring a branded product and a brand experience in a category that doesn't have Home to over 4 billion people, the Asia-Pacific region boasts one of the most powerful consumer markets on the planet. Not only is it home to half of the world's under 30 population, but it's also home to more than half the world's internet users. It's a market that no globally-minded organization should ignore. But entering markets like China, Japan, or Southeast Asia is no easy task. Just ask the likes of Microsoft, Google, Uber, and Facebook. However, times are changing, and with the right partners, doors are slowly opening as more and more companies find success growing their key markets in APAC. I myself spent eight years in China, mostly as a venture capitalist, helping early-stage tech companies grow in the Asia-Pacific market successfully. This show is dedicated to uncovering and examining successful Asia market entry and growth strategies by interviewing the experts who've done it before and truly understand what it takes to be successful in the region. My name is Todd Embley, and welcome to The Negotiation. Brought to you by WPIC Marketing and Technologies. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Negotiation. I'm your host, Todd Embley, and I'm pleased to be joined today by Arnaud Castel, founder and CEO of Kapok. Arnaud, welcome to the program. It's good to have you. Uh, thanks, Todd. Uh, hello, and thanks for having me today. We're really excited to have you on the show. Um, we've got a whole bunch of cool stuff about your background uh, to dive into. This is going to be really fun. I know that uh, we are genuinely like really excited about this one. But first, before we start diving into Kapok and all the things that you've done, where in the world are you today that we're recording you from? Uh, today, I'm in, uh, I'm in Hong Kong. Uh, so you cannot see, but I have a beautiful view of uh, Hong Kong Harbor in front of me. Uh, I've been living here for since 96 now. So it's a beautiful, nice morning here in Hong Kong. 1996. 1996. Yes. A long time. 26 years. Um, mm -hmm. I've been to Hong Kong many times. Fabulous okay. city. It's amazing. Yes. You know, obviously it's, it's, it's been through some rough patches recently, but for overall, a few years. Yes. But over the broadscape of 26 years, um, you have to admit it's, it's a pretty amazing place to live, Very a unique. finance center, a fashion center, yes. a tech center, all the things. Uh, tell us, how did you end up in, in Hong Kong? Uh, yes, that was a strange story. So I, uh, I just graduated in France 
And at that time, uh, we had to join the army for one year. And I mm -hmm. heard of a program, instead of going to one year uh, in the army, you work for a French company overseas. So obviously, that was much more interesting for, for me. Uh, so I started applying in many, many places. Uh, and uh, I had finally some interview in a French bank called uh, Banque Industrielle. And uh, my final interview was on a, a Monday. And that Sunday, I was uh, just near my home. There's a cinema I like. And I saw, I was just walking and a poster attracted me. And it was a movie set in Hong Kong uh, called Chunking Express. Very fun, chaotic movie, very interesting. And the next morning, I had my final interview. And to be honest, at that time in my life, I was just 21, 22. I didn't travel much uh, outside of France, you know. So uh, I thought, since I have to go overseas, I just don't want to go in, you know, England or Germany. I just want to go somewhere very far. And that movie kind of was like so interesting. So I a little bit made up a story about why I, I wanted to go to Hong Kong, more like talking about the economic reasons and, and so on. And I guess I was convincing because a couple... Uh, Weeks ago, I later I got a letter in in the mail. This was before email, you know. This time, say, oh, you have a, this job for one year and a half in in Hong Kong. So I just packed my bags and uh, landed here in February '96, uh, and it was uh, very different from anything uh, I've ever experienced. You know, it's a really crazy, interesting city. So that was yeah. I was 22 when I landed, and yeah, I. Never moved. I've been in Hong Kong all this time. I did a similar thing. I had a similar path. I uh, mm. was at a time in my life when I was changing courses and directions, and I'd also never really traveled. And like you, didn't want to go just anywhere, somewhere simple or mm. easy. Uh, I think I, I chose a very hard path uh, to mm. go somewhere very, very different. Um, and, you know, honestly, a lot of that is what's the precipice of, of the podcast today, which is trying to help people understand that place that is so different. Maybe before they actually have to go there, they can listen to some of these episodes and, and get a good idea of what they'd be getting into. But uh, yes. I digress. I mentioned earlier that you are the CEO and founder of Kapok. Can you tell us a little bit about what Kapok is, what it does? Yes, Kapok is a, a concept store, a multi-brand uh, retailer. So basically, we now have uh, 10 stores in, in Hong Kong and, uh, and a web shop. And we are really carrying all categories. So we have fashion, fashion accessories, home and lifestyle. And, and then uh, it's a multi-brand. We mainly have brands from Europe. And then we started developing our own brands also that, that we sell there. How would you describe your customers? What makes someone a Kapok shopper? Our customer normally, yeah, it's the typical customer. They are young couple, I think 25 to, to 35. So they start working and they are people that are curious, you know, they are, I think uh, they want to discover new brands, new products, and they also want to be a little bit different. So they don't want to be just buying the same product, the same clothes that everyone is, uh, is, uh, is, is wearing. So they, they really, there are people who travel, that people want to discover new things and that people who just, yeah, want to find product that, allow them to be more a bit more individual so that's a typical uh, typical customer uh, our customer base 
is mainly from from Hong Kong. In the past, uh, of of course, we had uh, uh, in addition to Hong Kong customer, ex- some expat customer and 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 tourist. Uh, now we of course uh, refocus on the Hong Kong audience. Yes. Yeah, I guess there's there's probably a lot less um, expats, right? The the tide has kind of gone back yeah. out for now, and ine- inevitably that tide is going to come right back in. This is just the way life goes, and mm-hmm. temporarily yes. it's been it's been going out. What is it about the brand that resonates with the customers, and 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 what I guess I'm asking, what have you built that would keep repeat customers coming back? First, in a way, it's it's uh, it's very unique here uh, because um, Hong Kong is known as a shopping paradise. You know, uh, people always say, "Oh, it's a shopping destination; it's the best shopping in Asia." But I found that it's very dominated by shopping malls, and the shopping malls kind of always have the same uh, pattern. You know, they have like luxury brand on the ground floor, and then some floor with uh, like more mass market, fast fashion brand. So. It's um, there was not really a lot of uh, risk uh, being being taken, you know, and I I really wanted I, I, but at the same time the Hong Kong customer is very curious. It's very adapts to new trends, you know, and 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 they love shopping. It's one of the key, you know, hobby. I remember when I moved here, I asked friends, "Oh, what do you do for your hobby?" You know. And and of course, some people say I like music, I like cinema, I like sport. But shopping was coming back. It's a kind of something people do uh, when they have some free time, you know. So they didn't have, I mean, enough place for them to find new products, new brands. So one one thing that keep people coming is uh, is a newness, you know. And I think also we really managed to create a, a community and. Um, I think there's a certain style uh, we have in the brand where I think there's a certain friendliness, but also knowledge, you know, because we work with uh, 100, 150 brands. So it's really a lot of knowledge about the product. So we are here to really understand what the customer want and and really give them uh, what they need and also surprise them. So I think people come back because of the newness and and the surprise. They don't know what's coming up. And, and I think we are good at, at kind of finding the products um, at the moment when they are adopted by this kind of uh, trendsetter and early adopter and before they become really big. So I think, you know, people sometimes want to be, oh, I, I'm the first one to have this brand. I'm the first one to have this pair of shoes. And uh, I think it's a way, uh, I think, uh, you know, here we, we don't, we're not anymore in the place where, I mean, for some people, but for, for our customer and, and a lot of people, it's not uh, the status. It's not, oh, I found this uh, very expensive, you know, luxury bag. So I'm, my status is higher. It's more like about knowledge, about information, about, oh, I know this brand. I know this product that you don't know yet. So I'm kind of cooler than you. And, <laughs> you know, it works in this way. So that's why we have people uh, coming back. I think our service level and also our sense of discovery and newness. Yeah, that's a lot to unpack because undoubtedly you're taking a very entrepreneurial approach. You're helping, you're discovering new brands and then you're helping them to be discovered. They may have those stories. You may be getting involved on helping them create those stories, create the allure 
Um, but then you're also going to have a lot of brands where they have that all, uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're kind of like channeling through you because you are, as you said, you have a hundred to 150 different bands. You are a curator of, of, of a, of a suite of brands and you invite a lot of brands to be in and be a part of, be a part of your brand to be a, under the umbrella, you know, the, the, the Kapok umbrella of, of, of everything that you are and be invited to that, that party. So how do you decide which products and which brands to invite into your carefully curated ecosystem? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really funny because now uh, we've been doing that for so long that me and my team, we just have this world. We say, Oh, this brand, they approach us or they talk to us, but they are not Kapok, you know? So we have this kind of understanding what is Kapok, what belongs here or, or not. And uh, yeah, we, then it's difficult to kind of try to find what are the, the, the criteria. But uh, we have a, a tagline that is called uh, Selection of Future Classics. And this Future Classics is really can allow us to explain what, what it means. Um, classics, because we don't like brands that will be, you know, we're not interested in very hype and something that will be trendy for six six months and gone, you know. We're trying to build a partnership with a brand for a long time. We try to, to know them. So we need to see that they are solid. They have not just one good idea, but like the potential to have good idea, nice product for quite a while, you know. And in the world future, it means we don't work with a brand that are already established because that's what our customer is looking for. And um, we are really looking for the people that are going to be strong in, in five years, in, in, in 10 years. And I have to say that's a little bit my strengths. You know, I work with a lot of brands before they became big and then I accompany them when when they grow. So I I think I can identify uh, which brand have potential to to have some staying power, you know. Uh, And the last criteria is even though we don't put it uh, really in the front in our communication, but uh, we really evaluate the social impact and the sustainability of, of the brand we, we work with because I personally care. And I have to say when I started the, the company 16 years ago, maybe not many of my customer care. It was not on the radar of the Hong Kong customer, but now we are in a time where they, they care a lot, especially our younger customer. So it's, it's, I mean, I think it's good for, 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 for me to be, to work with this brand, but it's also something our customer reacts. I was going to ask because you mentioned you you often talk about what is what does it mean to be Kapok mm. and some brands you, and you may love them amazing super nice uh, I love everything that you're doing with your brand but not Kapok it is just not it's mm. it's I, I you know and yes. and I'm sure that happens quite a bit you just kind of have to draw that line in the sand even as much as you may love them and I wanted to ask so what does it mean to be Kapok but maybe I'll turn that question just in a little bit of a direction it might make it easier for you to answer but what does it mean to not be Kapok ah and it was sort of be like that yeah I think sometime uh, yeah some brands they are uh, first it's also um, there's an idea about the price and the price positioning, you know, uh, where we are, uh, because we uh, we really want to be quite democratic and open. So that means we have some products that are not very expensive because we really want to accompany the customer. For us, the success story, and we have a lot of customers like that. They say, oh, I love your store. I started shopping at Kapok. 
when I was a student, you know? And uh, for me, it's very important to have this customer that starts. And and here, you know, there's so many luxury shops. I, I just, what is great about retail is that you you are, you are you are building something, you're on the other side, but you all, every one of my staff, we are also customer of retail store. So it's very easy for us to put in the shoe of the customer. And I remember I went to some store, they're beautiful, like great architecture, beautiful product, but I felt very excluded, you know, because it's very intimidating. And so I, I want to have this. And, and here there's so much luxury. It's very saturated. So I, I just want to be a bit below. But of course, I care about quality. So sometimes uh, it comes at a premium, you know, because sometimes things are really handmade or they're using nice material. So we are really at that price, a premium price category. And uh, sometimes some products are really too luxury, too expensive. So it's, it's not capable. Sometimes they're very fast and disposable. And they are not capo also. So that's one one criteria uh, thing that are not capo. Then um, also, I, I think it's uh, if um, it's something some product that makes us happy. You know, <laughs> like I, I always consider my business is uh, making people happy. I always tell my team, you can uh, in a way you can survive all your life without shopping at, at capo. You know, you can, you, 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 all the things we sell, maybe they're not necessary for your life, but I still think they're necessary because they're beautiful. And I think in life we need beauty, we need poetry, we need all, all these things and we need quality. So, um, I think something that, uh, yeah, it's, it needs to be, I think it's some, the quality needs to, to be there also. Sometimes something is, is, uh, the idea is very cool, but then like when we try the product, it's not, it's not yet there, you know, it's, uh, we see some, some, so we, we, even if the marketing is great, uh, I think we, we, we have a contract with, uh, we have a lot of repeat customers, so we cannot have something where the quality is not really at top of the game. So that's the second thing. And, um, in a way we are not, uh, very loud. So everything that is some of the fashion products that are very loud and, and I think a bit overwhelming. It's not belonging capo. We are more something comfortable, you know, where for all our clothes and, and shoes, it's, it shouldn't be overtaking the personality of, of the people that wear. So everything too loud, too very, very fashion is not capo, I would say. So I think it's important to understand because when you have 150 brands and when you have, uh, all the category, you know, when you can buy a book or a pair of shoes or a candle, if there's no direction, you know, uh, I think we lose our customer, you know, and that's something now, you know, people say, um, that's something why I think the traditional department store start failing because there's no point of view. They, they have everything. And I think also now some of the very big, uh, online retailer, you know, they have really, really, really everything. So there's no point of view. There's no guidance. And I think because we're a little bit smaller scale, it's important for us to have a point of view. It's important to, for us to say that you, that you say, I love your brand. I love your product. They're cool, but they, they're not, we're not the right home for them. You know, it's not belong to capital. I think some of those, like you said, the larger department stores, their brand is so diluted or washed out because of all the brands that are in. And I think it's been a, a, a kind of decades long, uh, how distribution and merchandising 
happens because in in trying to figure out how to stay relevant in retail there's a lot of factors and 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 price and preference and distribution thing and so as you get squeezed a little on price squeeze a little on distribution or inventory and then they'll come and say but we want this position in your store and we want it designed we want it merchandised in this way and somehow over the years and years and years of that back and forth and that negotiation with all the brands, they ended up taking over the brand. Yeah. The store's brand. It mm, became mm. their, and, and that's probably, I mean, that is their job. Their job is to, to push from that side and it's your job to resist that, mm. allowing them to have a brand presence that overcomes or is, is more than your brand, the Kapok mm. brand. Because yeah. Kapok has to mean something. That's why when they say, oh, you have to use this kind of display, you have to use this kind of furniture, you have to pick this product because that's a very popular one and we must have it. We say no, because we choose, we display the way we want. We have all the presentation of product is our way and you have 200 products. We are multi-brand, which is going to take 20 or 30, but they are for our customer. You know, I think... Putting customer, and I think this department store, I mean, they want to grow. And they, when they want to grow, they want to have all the customer. They want to have the 20-year-old with very uh, too high product, but they also want the conservative customer. Then no one is happy at the end. So I think we have a lot of different age of customer. We do have 20 and 60-year-old shopping, and I like this in our store. But there are people who have the same kind of mindset you know, about what they, what they want. The Kapok identity as it is today, everything that you described about what it is, what it is not, the brands are choosing why, how much of that is influenced by your geography and the culture of your geography? I think, uh, like the subdued, not being too loud. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people have this, you know, uh, there's so many people that when you go back to Europe, they're like, oh, I'm a China specialist. I'm an Asia specialist. And oh, it's a lot of cliche, you know, and, and sometimes the brand, they say, oh, we want a product for China and we're going to make it red and gold and this and that. And, and I think it's so, <laughs> then I think when, when the, the, the Hong Kong customer or the China customer, Asian customer see that, they feel like, Oh, this is ridiculous. They don't understand us. First, uh, there are so many different subset of uh, customer, you know, that, and, and the markets are so different that you need to consider that. I think, um, yeah, Hong Kong, of course, Hong Kong influence uh, our, our product selection because our customers are from here. So I can say, when I say it's not too loud, but it's also, it's not too plain. You know, when I sometimes meet some brand, they say, oh, you know, this white button down Oxford shirt is our best seller. And I feel like, no, not for us, because if people want that, they will go to Uniqlo and they will not go to us, you know, and uh, you go to the, you, you walk in the city and people are not afraid of color. People are really, uh, when I go back to Paris, you know, people tell me, oh, Paris people are so well-dressed, but I feel like, oh, they are well-dressed, but it's super safe. Here is not safe, you know. People will really uh, dare something, you know, and 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 there's also no. Uh, it's very refreshing. There's no way. Oh, the man has to be dressed like that. The woman has to be dressed like that, you know. 
uh, some brands say, oh, this tote bag is for women. But I say, no, I sell it to men. You know, I sell a lot of uh, men's t-shirt to women. This is no so narrow, you know, so it's, and, and also we're in a city where people love fashion and no fashion and no products. So when we're bringing new products in, uh, even what I love, you know, uh, and I come, I had shops in uh, Singapore, maybe again, uh, it was very different because here people know, and even the brand is not famous. If they have a strong story, well-made product, they can tell and they will buy. So sometimes we had really tiny brand that only sell in two or three shops in the world, but we were selling very, very well. So it's, um, here I can say it's very tough to do my business because the rents are very high, you know, uh, and, and it's really, you have a lot of pressure and a lot of competition, but it's also very easy because of our customer. They're really like new things. They're really there. They're really not scared. Uh, and they really are a little bit impulsive, you know, in their buying. And when you run a, a fashion and lifestyle business, it's good to have impulsive customers. <laughs> rather than people will take forever. You know, that makes me think about customer loyalty. And I thought maybe I'd just ask you for your opinion on what 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 is customer loyalty to you and to Kapok in that APAC region of the world? I, I think we managed to have customers that, you know, come to see our store, visit our store uh, every week. It's part of their routine, you know. So it's very nice to have this customer, uh, but it's also pushing us to work very, very hard because they're really tough, you know. Uh, they're very demanding. They're like, hey, nothing new. Or it's like sometimes, uh, you know, for us, Christmas is a huge uh, thing and we will have customers say, oh, this season, this Christmas, not your best, you know. <laughs> so we really have to be on top of And then the next season, we're like working extra hard. They're like, okay, good job this time. So they're really pushing us, you know. So we, we have the loyalty, but we have the loyalty as long as we do our job, you know, to really satisfy their curiosity and, and then give them the good experience and, and really have this personal touch, you know. Um, I mean, now, you know, things change so much since I started. I started Kapok before uh, online, before social media, you know. So now it's like totally different universe for, for retail. Uh, I cannot, uh, before maybe I can, I can win because my price is better, but now there will always be an online resource somewhere in the world when the price is going to be better. I could win because, oh, I have access to this product that the other shop don't have, but now all the brands have their website and, and all, all the multi-brand retailers deliver to Hong Kong. So it's not going to be <laughs> about price. It's not going to be about selection. It's going to be about um, quality of service. It's not going to be, it's going to be about yeah, knowing your customer and having the right thing for them. It's going to be about still finding a way to surprise them. Um, and it's going to be about entertainment. I think uh, the experience in the shop needs to be fun. You know, you need to have a good time in the shop, finding beautiful things, finding things you don't know, uh, having the right music, the right smell, the, the people that, you know, are smiling, but they're not too uh, pushy and trying to sell you stuff too much. And it's, um, I just see like, it's entertainment. It's like you have a three hour chunk of time and you're going to see maybe a movie, you're going to go to a nice restaurant, or you're going to spend 15, 20 minutes in, in Capo. So we need to make sure that that's why people will come back. That's why 
uh, I'm still believing we need to have both online and offline. We cannot just have one because online is very good to give people what they already like. You know, it's algorithm based, you know, everything. So you like this brand, so you will like that brand. You like this music, we give you that. Uh, so it's nice, it's safe, you know, but no one will challenge. But you, what I want to have when people step in Capog is like, okay, I know you like this. I know what you wear, but mm, trust me, try this, you know, go there. And this brand you never heard, but it's good. It's, you know, and I think for the customer, it's nice to be challenged, you know, otherwise you are, you run in circle and your world is like, oh, getting very small. So this experience of telling people, oh, I see what you wear, you polo and, but yes, trust me, try this and go there. And then you'll be exposed to brand you don't know. And, and you will maybe change, you know, that, that's much better. So we need both, I think. Yeah. It's, I think what you're saying is it's about the experience because yeah, you can watch a movie at home, but if you go out to the, to the movie theater, it's because of the experience. You can, you can make your own food at home, but when you go out to a nice restaurant, yeah, it's about the experience. I mean, you could also just order food from that restaurant, but you don't, you want to go out, you want to see people, you want to experience, you know? Um, and, and of course you can shop from home, but it's more than that. It's, it's a, it's a hobby, right? It's, it's not like you're ordering milk and bread and things that you just need. I think you, you can do both, you know, like I, I think yeah. we need to have both my customer, uh, a lot of my strong online customer, they, they are actually the one that also go to our physical store. Our number one market for for web is still Hong Kong, which is strange because Hong Kong is a very compact city. It doesn't take a long time to go to a Kapok store. But, you know, there are times you're in the office and your boss is horrible and she's like, ah, a little pick me up. Okay, you can go online or, or you need something more convenient or you just cannot sleep. You just check. Online is convenient. On, online is great. But... You need both, I think, at least yeah. for my business. I agree. Like, if you have a really, really, really nice restaurant, are you going to say that you'll not deliver at all? Well, there's no point in not. You don't know why your customer can't come in. You know, maybe uh, they tested positive for COVID and they need to quarantine for seven days, but they still want your food. They should be able to have it. Um, but you know that they'll still come back for the experience when they can, when they want to. And a strong retail store in a good location, visible with really strong windows. It's a fantastic advertisement. You know, I don't spend any kind of advertisement in the billboard, in the, in the bus and so on, because I have the store because they are in place where people can see, you know, and, and that's really funny thing about retail because so many people see the store and walk in front. They always think we are much bigger. <laughs> Than, than we are, you know, because they feel, oh, I've seen this store here and here and here. So they think we're huge. It's, I mean, we're not small, but we're not super huge, you know. Uh, and some business, they are very hidden and people underestimate, oh, they are small business, but actually they are really they're big. huge. Yeah. <laughs> well, one last question. And I mean, we have we have said Kapok so many times. Yes. I think anybody who listens to this episode now will very easily <laughs> yeah. remember the day Kapok. But I, I think so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's been good for that. Where where did the name come from? Oh yeah, I uh, when I started the the, the first uh, shop at that time I had my uh, distribution uh, business and um, it's a friend of mine. They say, "Oh, I found this space. 
uh, it's it's really it's really nice. The rent is very low. I just want to do uh, retail because it's really boring here. So we decided to do it together, and it was very. It was a side project for me. I had my main business. It was something because I personally, I also enjoy shopping. And I, when I was going back to Paris, when I was going to Tokyo, I always came back with so, so many bags. But I was never shopping in Hong Kong, so I feel like if I'm like that, there may be other people like this. So I said, okay, let's try this adventure on a small scale. And it was very hidden. Um, everyone say the important things for retail is location. That was like a really very bad uh, location. Um, in front and but in front of the store, really in the middle of the street, there was this really beautiful tree. So it gave a lot of character to the to the to the street. So I say, oh I want to uh, I want to uh, um, really reference this tree. But this tree is Banyan tree. Banyan tree is a very big hotel chain in, in Asia. So I'm like, no, I can't do that. So, And I was talking with my, my sister and she had this idea of uh, Kapok. So Kapok tree is, uh, is a tree um, you find a lot in, uh, in Hong Kong and Southeast Asia. And it's a tree that has um, a flower with uh, also like a, like a cotton, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, fiber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like so you use the kapok, uh, this kapok uh, fiber to uh, inside the plush toys and so on. So I think it has first uh, because we had already this sustainability angle. So I we use mainly in our design a lot of natural material or products. We don't have a lot of plastic, so I like to have the name of the tree um, and kapok. We we have this word in French. We have it in English. It's very easy to pronounce, you know. So uh, I remember, like some marketing class, when they say, "Oh, the name Kodak, it means nothing, but everyone can pronounce. That's why it's successful everywhere in the world." So I thought, if everyone can pronounce Kodak, they can do same with Kapok, you know. And it's nice to do a logo, and it was not taken. I can have the website and everything. So yeah, and I think it's nice. Uh, after that, it's a really nice story about the tree, you know, because it's a very big tree. And there's a lot of ecosystem, a lot of animals live under this tree. And in uh, in Cantonese, it's mukmin. It means the hero tree because it's a tree when uh, when there's a lot of other tree, it will kind of grow a little bit taller to kind of survive. So that's really what happened to us. You know, we had a lot of trouble, and we kind of always found a way. So the more I learned, this really nice story about this uh, kapok name. <laughs> But I, it's not my idea. I have to credit my sister. <laughs> That's nice, and 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 good on you for doing that. Um, I know that choosing a, a you know a name, there's a lot that goes so into it nowadays. You know, it's yes. it's about logo, it's about backstory, it's about availability. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, can mm -hmm. I get the domain? All the things. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you found one. I found glad you found one that works. Now, Kapok, it it predates the iPhone, right? You, yes. You've been around since 2006. Yeah. So, may I ask? It's a broad question, but What are the major evolutions in the market that you've seen in in APAC since 2006 in 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 retail, for instance? Yeah, I think uh, payments has to be one. I think the main thing is yeah, with the iPhone, you know, uh, and and uh, the competition of 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 online online shopping. So before, you know, um, basically our customer they they only can shop in Hong Kong, so. Um, 
if they lack a brand and we are the only store to have this brand, suddenly it's a captive customer, you know? So it's, it's really, I think it was really easy in a way. Um, so we can just by our selection, you know, of brand that was enough to get customer. Now it's not enough because they can have this access anywhere. Um, there was also a, a, a price issue, you know, because uh, there was this called the Asian premium where brands were not just the multi-brand, but also the brand itself where uh, the product was 20, 30% more expensive in Asia than, than the rest of the world. So, I mean, here and for building a business here where the rents were absolutely insane, you know, it was kind of needed, you know. Uh, you needed that to cover and then pay the rent and make your business uh, sustainable. Uh, but when someone can go to your store, they see a product, they go online, they see the price, then, you know, it's unsustainable to have this Asian premium. You need to align, you know, to the price of the products anywhere in the world. So um, I think the, the yeah, all, all of our margin were, were hit, you know, and, and I feel, you know, you need to see the, the, the full life of a customer. I think if you manage to sell him something uh, 30%, 40% higher than in the home market, I mean, you made some money in one transaction, but you lost the customer. So we cannot do that. But then how can we do, have this lower margin, this pride that I control, but also sustain our business? It was difficult. That's why doing retail in Hong Kong was, was really not easy. One thing to consider also is that um, this was the main window for brands to target the mainland Chinese market. So because here you can speak English, it's, it's a very sophisticated retail market. You have, uh, you know, a very well-established network of, of, uh, of uh, shopping malls, of landlord, uh, customer base that is local, very, very savvy. And then this is where, because of price difference, you know, and because it's, it's easy, a massive number of customers from mainland China were coming here for doing their shopping. So even the rents were crazy, these brands could still make money, you know, and it was a marketing, uh, marketing, uh, cost. They were saying, Oh, I don't need to, uh, I don't need to make money in Hong Kong because I use this as a, a window. Like the, the mainland Chinese customer will see, they will see my big store, my big window, my big logo, and then they will shop here, but they will shop back when they are in China. So that's why for me, that didn't have uh, anything on the, on the, the Chinese uh, market. It was quite difficult because the rents were, were too high. So that's why for me, in a way, of course, the protest, COVID, the restriction, no tourist, super hard on my business <laughs> on the top line. But all my costs uh, during this period went down, especially my 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 rent. That was my biggest uh, cost. I am I'm, I'm, I just forgot your uh, oh yeah the all the things that changed. So uh, I, I think now you can yeah you you need to to really adapt. Uh, because the arrival of the phone, the arrival of the um, the arrival of the um, uh, online shopping, so it's a lot of pressure, and there's also the arrival of social media. So there was 
kind of uh, for us a golden age of social media when when you know Facebook, Instagram start to appear, and you know it was not really monetized yet uh, by by this so this company. So they were really when we were posting content uh, on new products, new arrival. If you subscribe to Capoc account. 100% of the time, you will see our content. So suddenly, um, we can talk to a customer for free. You know, We don't need to go through press. We don't need to go through advertisement. We can just talk, talk to a customer. And it was really like crazy because we were posting some news about this brand arrived, this arrived, and then people would come the same afternoon or the next weekend. So it was very addictive. Suddenly, we're like, oh, I don't need to do all this other marketing, I can just focus on, on digital, you know? And I think they, they got us addicted to this and suddenly they say, oh, if you want to continue, you need to pay. If you don't pay, people are not going to see. And now uh, Facebook, Instagram became another of our, and Google of our landlord, you know? We need to pay them some rent to have exposure and to, to be able to, to, to see. So I see I have two sets of landlord. I have my physical landlord, but I have my, digital landlords you know and i need to deal deal with them it's still very very good you know for for a brand for a company for a retailer to to be able to talk directly to a customer but now we need to do uh, work a lot on our content and and have some budget for for this so the but the, the business is totally totally different and that's why i think um yeah a lot of um multi-brand retailer it was too difficult and a lot of them closed, you know, because the challenge were, were too high. Where you are in the world, were you still relying on the Google, Facebook, Instagram? Because those all seem like very, very, very Western names. Hong Kong people still use all this. You know, it's very different from China. Um, I mean, Hong Kong, they have access to a little red book, to, um, uh, to WeChat, Weibo, but still... Uh, for Hong Kong audience, I'm just talking Hong Kong audience. Uh, they use, uh, I mean, you know, they use uh, mainly Instagram. I would say the only one that is not in Hong Kong at the moment is TikTok. Uh, it was some problem. I mean, because of some political issue, we don't have access to the Western version of TikTok, just the Chinese. Um, yeah. So at the moment, uh, at the moment, also we don't have any. Uh, customer flow coming from from mainland China. It's starting to appear. We start to have. Uh, I think now that there's no hotel quarantine, uh, we start to have some uh, some customer that that uh, from mainland China that settle here and use Hong Kong as a base to be able to travel again. So, but in the future, when we will have, um, I think the, the the border will be open. Hopefully, one day. In a way, we need to have two sets of marketing. We will need to have marketing for the customer, expat and customer in Hong Kong on the like, platform like Instagram and so on. And we need to have uh, marketing in Little Red Book and, and so on for the customer in China. You've worked with a lot of iconic brand names like uh, Moleskin, uh, yes. Michelin Guide. Yes. What characteristics did those brands have that you felt we're going to allow them to be successful in your area of the world, in your market for your customers. Yeah, that's a really interesting. Uh, you must have seen something in them. I think for, for Moleskin, I think it was a very, very interesting product because they take on a category that was no, there was no brand, you know, 
in, in stationery, there were no brands. And they, they bring on a brand with a strong identity, a strong uh, like brand pillar and and create a really interesting product. Before, you know, when like when you work in a big company and 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 so on, uh, you don't think of what notebook you use. You know, they have a room full of stationery and you grab something and you use it, you know. So I think it's very smart to bring something, to bring a branded product and a brand experience in a category that doesn't have, you know. And uh, they, and then I I met with the, the, the people who started the company. The, the, and when I started working with them, they were very small. They were like only 14 people. But I, their, their brand manager was like someone with a, well, was more like a university uh, professor and then their sales and market uh, was very interesting. So I see that they are, they are building something very special that, that doesn't exist, you know, a different way to do marketing, uh, marketing with community. And the idea was very smart. They were first working, making this, I mean, a notebook is not normally a desirable object, right? No one care about notebook, <laughs> but then they say, First, we're going to work with people in the creative industry, designer, architect, and 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 uh, you know, fashion designer, all these creative people, and they're going to make this object very desirable. Like, uh, and then people that are more, and they say, actually, creative industry is not just this very narrow field. If you are working in a bank, if you are a lawyer, if you are accountant and so on, you use your brain power. So you're cr creating something. So they are the second level of cre creative uh, people, but there's much more of them and they have purchasing power. So they have this clear strategy. Um, and um, yeah, so this is, these people, they are in all over Asia, you know, you have these people and it's all about, and they're bringing a strategy of fashion, you know, uh, what is fashion is is a way to communicate who you are without any talking you know like we meet we meet for the first time of course we will start talking and discussing and then you will tell me who is Todd I will tell you who is Arnold but the first time we meet it's our clothes right and I say oh I'm this kind of person because I wear that that's a kind of very fast way to communicate and then in the business world it was the same like suddenly you meet someone for the first time you know and then you get your pen and you get your notebook, you know, out. And then by having this Moleskine rather than a like really cheap spiral notebook, you're like, oh, I'm I'm serious, I'm cool, I'm I'm have all these things, you know. And uh, and then people are like, oh, you have one too, you know. It's really very. And I saw this can work anywhere in Asia because you have a creative. Uh, and we 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 start selling. Little by little, we were in Hong Kong, and then we got Taiwan, Japan, China, you know. Every time it was very, and Southeast Asia, every country was different. But you always have this creative class and this professional class that, that you know, want to build their career, want to express who they are. And sometimes at work, it's difficult to express who you are because you have sometimes a suit. And, but this kind of little thing that, that allows them to, to have some expression. So it was widely successful brand yes uh, uh skin and i i saw yeah there's no reason why it didn't and the the, the country way it was uh the, the most success i have to say is japan uh because i i think they 
um, in a way they, they write a lot, you know, uh, they like to read, uh, much more, uh, when you go to store, uh, it's a culture of, of text much more like in Hong Kong, it's very image driven, no short caption. If you go to a store in, in Japan for every category, you have a lot of text and, and you see the art, it's a lot of text. So, and also it's, it's quite minimal design and, I think there's a strong uh, corporate culture where people need to be quite proper, have the, the right pen, the right suit, the right notebook. So it was like a really big, big success. Overall success in Asia, but the big one was Japan. Growing a company is hard. Doing it in a foreign market? Exponentially so. The best piece of advice I can give you is not to do it alone. When you start looking at the Asia-Pacific region for further expansion possibilities, and I sincerely hope you do, make sure you choose the right partners to do it with. My good friends at WPIC Marketing and Technologies have almost 20 years of experience helping brands, just like yours, enter China, Japan, and Southeast Asia. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Negotiation, and if you're interested in being a guest or want to connect with me or any of our team, please reach out to us at podcast at WPIC.co, and be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.